Alright guys, welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered. Uh, we are blessed to be joined by Antonio Cromartie. David, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to uh, talk with me today. I'm super excited to talk to you. I see a potential cornerback one. I uh, can move very well, does, can play man-to-man very well. I think that he is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. He does things that are so amazing, and the competitor in him is just special. Um, I'm excited, man, and I, I can't wait to get there. I think it does really fit my skill set. All right, guys, welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold, and I am joined by my friends and co-hosts, John Wade, the Garden Texan, and Jordan, a.k.a. Texan Thoughts. Um, how you guys feeling? You guys feeling good after that, that amazing debate? <laughs> wow, well, I mean, dude. Uh, God, let's, just let's just hope that we can be better. Let's just hope that we can be better. Jordan's probably doing great. He's just up there with his popcorn. Yeah, absolutely. He's just, he's just taking it in. It's entertainment. It's too. great when you don't got to take it that seriously, when your livelihoods ain't really at, at risk. But uh, Jordan with the, uh, Jordan with the uh, conflicted uh, little background, I see you. Uh, well, don't worry, we're going to get into that for sure. Uh, as there's a lot to unpack. Did you get a tattoo? Me? Who? Yeah. Oh, maybe, was that maybe just when you lifted it up? It 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 was like oh, a the green screen. Okay. Yeah. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> I was like, okay, tell me about your weekend at, at your girlfriend's parents' house. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Before we hop into everything, make sure you guys follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Houston FB Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at I am Youngari Gold. You can follow John at John A Wade three on uh, Twitter. You can follow Jordan at AK or at Texans underscore thoughts. You can follow uh, Patrick Storm at Patrick Storm to you, and you can follow uh, Jair at JRL Sports TX. Um, make sure you guys go do that, please. Uh, this is the first stream with a thousand uh, subscribers, so this is cool. You guys should have some new functionalities and uh, super chats and things of that nature if you're on the YouTube side. Um, we might be closing it off to just straight YouTube moving forward. Uh, so Facebook, Periscope, sorry guys, but we need to consolidate the platforms to have them on one. Um, but we'll let you guys know ahead of time. Uh, outside of that, make sure you guys go to our awesome website built by our awesome uh, web developer, Cody. Um, lots of good content on there. Uh, lots of stuff about Earl Thomas that Jair put together a nice piece. Um, and make sure you guys go to patreon.com and follow us at, at uh, Texans Unfiltered or patreon.com backslash Texans Unfiltered. Uh, if you guys want to get the instant game reactions on Sundays, this last Sunday was not not very fun. Um, yeah. So, all right, that's it. That's it. Let's 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 roll straight into things. Uh, let me open up the show notes so John doesn't yell at me once we get off. Okay. Um, housekeeping. This is probably the most. Uh, you know, relevant conversation right now. Uh, do we want to talk about Earl Thomas? We're going to talk about Earl Thomas. There's a lot to talk about with Earl Thomas. So many back and forth. You know, I don't really think anybody truly has an understanding of what happened. Uh, I was trying to do some research on the workouts that happened. It looks like those workouts actually happened yesterday, according to the NFL transaction wire. They did not happen today. So there's a lot of contradicting reports that are happening um, so, you know, I saw, okay, so to take you guys back, Earl Thomas last night came out. Texans are interested in Earl Thomas. We're going to bring him in for a workout today. Uh, 
And then that didn't happen because of COVID-19, because, of course, the Titans messed everything up as that's what the Titans do. Uh, they, they're the only team to so far to have the, uh, the COVID outbreaks in the manner that they did. Uh, because of that, the NFLPA and NFL it, it had to put out a, uh, a memo to all NFL teams telling them to be a little bit more cautious in regards to bringing in um, free agents and tryouts and things of that nature. Then there were, were reports that there was internal discussions about not wanting to bring in Earl Thomas. They didn't say why. They just said there was internal discussions that came from Pancakes. And then uh, Aaron Wilson tweeted out the workouts. And if you look to the right, you'll actually see dates. And then if you actually go to the transaction wire, you'll see dates as well. They were all dated the 28th. So none of the workouts actually happened today. Um and then you see that Janice McNair stepped in and basically said it's a no-go. Earl Thomas is not coming here. Jordan, where do we start? Like, where, where, where do we go? Because there's, there, there's still blame that B.O.B. is going to have to take, right? Coming off the Steelers' loss, mixed in with the Earl Thomas stuff. It was very like a blue balls type of treatment. Hey, Earl Thomas is coming. Oh, my God, character issues. No way. Cool. And then, no, wait, Earl Thomas isn't coming. Where do, we, where do we go, Jordan? Where do we go? It was a roller coaster of emotions. I didn't know what to feel. When I first heard it, I was really excited because I think Earl Thomas is still a very talented player. Watching the film, he's still a very talented player. And while it may not be the biggest need on the team, he would instantly be the best safety on the team, in my opinion. And... Now going through this roller coaster of will it happen, won't it happen? Like I don't, I don't know what to believe. There's so many different reports out there saying different things. I think everything has a little bit of truth to it. Yep. I think there was mutual interest on both sides. I think there was a, a workout schedule that wasn't all smoke. And then I think the question to me is whether the workout got canceled because of COVID or because of of Janice. I believe there's some truth to both of those, but I just don't know the order of which which one happened first. That's basically what we're trying to figure out here. And if if it was purely COVID and if Janice is fine with it, then that's great. Then maybe we can schedule it for next week, get him in for before week five game. Um, but he's definitely not going to be playing for us against the Vikings. And um, I don't know. I don't know if he ever will play in a Texan jersey, but I hope so. Yeah, it's one of those things that nobody knows exactly what's going on. This is something that Pancakes has been a little bit off for the past couple of years. Um, there's been rumors that he lost a lot of his connections once um, the Kubiak era ended. And granted, I, I shouldn't have called him Pancakes, John McClain. I mean, he's been right a lot. He's been wrong a lot. He, Him and John Lopez essentially pushed this idea that Janice McNair stepped in. If that happened, Bill O'Brien's got some huge issues, and he's he's about to be gone, which, you know, I mean, we'll probably get into that here eventually too. But if Janice McNair really shot it down, then that's something else. But if you look at what's going around the league, everybody got called and told to double up their their COVID protocols, like to improve them. The Titans actually had a player test positive the day before the game. Then on Tuesday, they have three more. So this is all about COVID. Granted, doesn't mean Earl does it doesn't matter. Does it Earl Thomas end up on the Texans now because of it or not? Who knows? He they may have created an issue where he doesn't end up signing. Like they may end up thinking it over now that there's time and it's not a panic reaction because we know Bill O'Brien's kind of known for panic reactions. And if he was able to do a panic reaction without something like this happening, 
then yeah, Earl Thomas is on the team. No doubt. But maybe this does get Bill O'Brien to slow down, which is kind of a shame because you know obviously this move had to come from from Deshaun actually having some sort of pull because they share an agent. Uh, Deshaun's already vouched for him. He probably vouched for him for to Bill O'Brien. And <clears throat> Thomas steps out, and he's one of the best players on our secondary the moment he's out there. Like, we could definitely use him. The only, care, the only concerns about him are all character. And we're supposed to be coming from the Patriots system where you take those bad character guys every now and then, you take them at a, a discounted rate, and because your culture is supposed to be so strong, it doesn't matter if they have a bad character. They actually come out with a better reputation than they go in. That's what we're supposed to be doing here. And we really haven't used that. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe once, maybe. No, no, not at all. I can't think of one character issue that we've actually taken on. Uh, maybe draft-wise there's been some things, but I've never seen a free agent that's had the character issues. And, you know, I don't even know if they're real character issues. You know, <clears throat> that's personal life stuff. Those are choices that people make. I, I really don't know if there's a character driven, in my opinion. Whether we believe in them or, or don't or should be done, that's really neither here or there. Those are other people's lives. So, uh, you know, the, the, the issue on the Ravens where he got kicked off, you know, that could be taken two ways. It could be, look, you blown, you know, you're blowing a coverage. I'm trying to tell you where to be. You're not listening. Like, I've been trying to tell you that all camp, blah, blah, blah. Who knows what led up to that? I don't believe it's one play. Uh, and I'm sure Earl would tell you that himself. So, you know, in, in regards to Janice, um, I do believe that Janice stepped in. I, I really do. And, and you know, me and Cody got into it on, on a Slack about Janice and John Lopez reporting it. There's a lot of people within that have covered Houston sports for a long time. One of them is John Lopez. And he doesn't say things or put things out very often. But when he does, I usually will take them. And when he says it's Janice, we're talking about a guy who's been at dinner with Janice and, and, and Bob and Cal and he, individual dinners. This guy has – he covered Houston sports for 20 years. He was there during the inaugurational season. He's covered them since then. Um, and then when Patrick Storm basically doubled down on it, that just kind of told me a little bit more about it. Now, it's all speculation, so – you know, I, there's no way for us to know truly, but I do think that that's the case. You know, Janice, maybe she's wising up, you know, but also another part of this that I don't think is being talked about enough is it might be Easterby. It might be Easterby going behind OB who, you know, if you read anything about Jack Easterby, anything in Boston, the guy is a snake. He's been a snake his entire career, he's built his career on being a chaplain and a guy, a glue guy for culture and things of that nature. It's very, I don't know, I find it very interesting. But either way, things are not going in the direction that this Texans organization needs them to go. This isn't the week to have these fundamental breakdowns. Okay, we're 0-3. You need a player. Earl Thomas is that player. I like Eric Reed better, but there's other reasons for it. I I and we'll get into that later. But you still wanted Earl. You couldn't get Earl. So it's almost as if, like, here's the team you put together. Go out and do it or don't. And if you don't, we're going to let you go. And I think that's the path we're headed. What I will say is if, if Janice McNair has any control over the football side of this, the organization is screwed. 
the organization is, is screwed. That should never be a thing, in my opinion, that the owner can make personnel decisions like that over the head coach, over the GM. So I don't know. I don't know about the whole ECB thing. I don't know enough about him. It's not really a door I've, I've ever gone down, but it's Jordan, let me ask you this, though. Let me ask you this. If, if you've seen what Bill O'Brien has done and you've stood by and said nothing the entire time, right? DeAndre Hopkins, Jadavion yep. Clowney. Do you finally get to a point to where it's like enough is enough? And if that's the only time they've done it, is she really out? Is she really wrong in that manner? If that's the only time that she's done it, I, I get it. But then we have to talk about kind of the the magnitude of, of the moves that she's like making these decisions on, right? Like, I just I don't feel like us adding a free a potential free agent on a one year deal. Who, yeah, he has some character concerns, but like, what's the worst risk? He he, he blows up in practice again. We just cut him again, like. I don't think he would ruin this team when this team is already on a 0-3 track. It already has a losing record. There's only to go up from here. You know what I mean? I just feel like the risk-reward there for her to jump in right now, it just it doesn't make any sense to me. I agree. It seems minimal, right? It's like yeah. – but at, at the same time, I don't know. I, you know, we don't know what happens behind closed doors. We don't know, you know where the conversation goes, what the ladder actually is that needs to be climbed for decisions and things of that nature. <clears throat> If I had, if I was betting, I would say Jack Easterby shot that down because of who he is, religion-wise, things of that nature. I just don't see it. But who knows? Who knows? Either way, the team did not get better today in a day that they could have gotten better. And I think ultimately, as fans, that was the biggest thing. I think also the biggest part of this was the fact that we were taking a risk on a character guy that we have not done in the past. Uh, and it seems that Obi is desperate and is willing to make these type of decisions to correct a path. Now, I really don't see who um, – I was distracted by a shitty comment. Forgive me. Um, they uh, – I just don't see how you're going to go into this and come out with nothing. And I think that's the problem that we have, really, ultimately, is the fact that we have no solution. Yeah, so basically this move was spawned by A.J. Mora having his hamstring injury, going on IR. That's what made us go back to this Earl Thomas door, right? And so we still have that problem of who's going to play the second or third safety. Um, and so, yeah, you brought up Eric Reed, probably some other names. Tony Jefferson was working out for the Colts. Maybe Eric Berry is another guy. The Texans were scheduled to hold five more tryouts or workouts or whatever with safeties. So someone else is going to be signed. So, so someone else is going to be signed. They know. Sorry, keep, you go, John. No, no, no. And it's, it's one of those things they need a safety. And – if you get rid of the baggage, if you just look at it from a football on the field standpoint, Earl Thomas is the best one out there. Yep. Now, I think that y'all are both right. Um, it coming from John Lopez, like that's um, that's that's a pretty heavy hitter behind it. However, no team ends up in a good spot when their owner starts micro or owner starts getting involved, yep. regardless of anything. At that point, if if it's coming down from the ownership to veto something, Bill O'Brien is actually on thin ice, which, you know, I've, <laughs> me and Jordan have kind of said he should have been. Um, and James just didn't necessarily disagree. You just don't want to debate it because we're, we are stuck with them, so there's no point in debating it. But this may be that first sign of the crack in the ice, and I – think that we'll know more in the next couple of weeks um, from a football standpoint. Yeah, Thomas would love to have him here. 
drama, I would hope that you have somebody like Deshaun and JJ and whomever else in the locker room that's strong enough to keep him in line, especially him having that big personality and being a superstar. But what do I know? I mean, we're out here. We're What do we know? Obviously, obviously, if somebody vetoed it, then it was vetoed. Um, then it had to be for character issues because it's definitely not for, for skill because he would make the team better. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's just disappointing in, in a week where um, you need to win one. Uh, you need to you need to win really bad, um, about as bad as we've we've really ever needed one. Uh, even on the you know in the 2018 season, these have looked a lot different. You know, in the 2018 season, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going off a of memory here, but I believe the Patriots game was an end of game touchdown that 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 ended it. Um, and then week two. Who did we play before the Giants? Uh, the Titans. The Titans, and that was the that was the fake the fake punt, fake punt. touchdown game. Um, so, like those two games weren't like these first two games that we've seen so far this season. Uh, you know, we were in them. These last two games, really three games. You know, the second half of the Steelers game, we really weren't in it. There's just I don't. I mean, I could be wrong. You guys stop me, but I don't feel like we were in the second half at all based on the game plan and the scheme. Um, we need something. We need a spark. And I don't know if Earl Thomas would have been the answer, but, I mean, he can play. And I don't know. It looks like it's disappointing, but at the end of the day, like, what hasn't – Tony Jefferson and Eric Reed bring both of them in. Tony I mean, Jefferson visited with uh, the Colts today, I believe, or yesterday. Yeah. Like – I mean, there's other things. There's other ways around it. It didn't have to necessarily be Earl Thomas, and that did scream of desperation. Like it, des- it, it definitely did. Um, but there's other players still out there. Um, if they're that desperate, and I don't know. Again, Bill O'Brien has been shown to make panic moves. He absolutely has been shown, and that is very, very concerning. If Earl Thomas wasn't somebody they were looking at beforehand, if it was a panic move, which it might have been. It might not have been. We unfortunately don't know. But if it was, but again, we'll know in the next couple of weeks because if it wasn't a panic move, they have somebody behind him lined up to sign or somebody else they're interested in, a plan B. If it was a panic move, that means they're starting from scratch and they have no idea who they're going to go out and get. Yeah. Yeah. Any other, any other thoughts on the Earl Thomas stuff? Anything, Jordan? I know that I, I think you have some stuff that you really want to get out that you're kind of holding back on. Um, I guess just I'll, just I'll touch on two things. I'll touch on the football aspect of it first is like obviously he's the best player available, and specifically talking about our defense is he can be someone who can force turnovers. He still has that ability. I saw it in his film last year against the Ravens, and that's the one thing that we're missing on this defense. That's the one thing that could help the defense, but also the offense get them more possessions, get them a shorter field. And so from like Bill O'Brien's perspective, it totally makes sense to go after Earl Thomas. And like John's been saying, like. This reeks of desperation. I said it's a Hail Mary move. And to me, this kind of like a good takeaway is that Bill O'Brien clearly is on thin ice. I think this decision to kind of forego all his morals about um, caring about off-field stuff, off-field issues, to forego all of that means he's under some sort of pressure, whether that's from Janice, whether that's from um, – what's the name? Cal. Cal or oh. um, Easterby. Easterby. Yeah, well, whoever it's coming from, it, there is pressure somewhere. And so that is a good sign. 
it's a sign that Bill O'Brien is not just going to be able to have like a 500 season or a nine and seven season and be and remain the Texans head coach. That's what that points to, in my opinion. Yeah, I would. Agree. I hope you're I, right. I, I really I, hope you're right. I mean, you know, I keep finding myself at this place where it's like I don't know. I don't want to hope you're right, but I also want to hope you're right. Like I don't want to go through the whole season being trash. Like I yeah. don't, I don't want to go through an interim head coach where we don't make the playoffs and things of that nature. But at the end of the day, like I also don't want to go through a season where we start off zero and three. We, you know, we beat the Jags, we beat the Colts, we beat the Titans, we beat the Browns. You know, we beat these bad teams and and, and make the playoffs. Maybe we luck in and, and win a game. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's, you know, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. It's the same thing every year. So as much as I do want O'Brien gone and I'm there now, I still don't like, I don't know. I really don't know how to word it because like we, we watch this game to enjoy it. Right. That's ultimately why we're here. We're here to enjoy the game and watch it. And, uh, I just, I don't know. I don't really know how to feel because, like I, I can't imagine what these podcasts like. I wasn't looking forward to doing this podcast um, because it's hard. It's hard when the team is so bad. You know, we've been through this, John. You know, it's not fun. It doesn't make the podcast fun. The podcast is more fun. The live stream is more fun when the team is winning, and we're not doing that. And, and we're going to go to Minnesota. And I, I tweeted it out earlier today. These are the type of games that that Bill O'Brien back against the wall will drop fifty on them, and we'll win massively. And people will think, oh, he finally gets it. He understands. The play calling's changed. The schemes fit to, you know, the, the skill sets of his players. And then, you know, the next week we go back to the same stuff that we've seen. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know where I'm at. I, I want him gone. I just I don't know at what price. And I guess that's the sucky part about this is, like, are we at that point where we're ready to sacrifice a season? And I guess I'll ask you guys that. John, I'll start with you. Are you at that point now to where it's like – At this point, yeah, actually I am. Um, something you hit – somebody, I don't know who actually hit it, hit on it, but during the uh, the post game when they said that we were tied to Bill O'Brien's system. And we haven't scored over 30 points in our last five games, including playoffs. Um, that's unacceptable. That's just truly unacceptable especially because we have the most expensive team in football. The Texans aren't paying that entire contract, but right now we are the New York – I don't know what our what we decided on Kirsten or not, but right now we are the New York motherfucking Yankees. That is our payroll right now. We are spending out the wazoo for this crap. And a lot of it is just lack of creativity, and a lot of it is details. You let you let go of Bill O'Brien. That sends an accountability message. All of a sudden, you are no longer protected by your coach mm-hmm. because you know every coach wants their guys. If you are the offensive coordinator, that I don't even want to name him right now because he doesn't – like, I, I want to be that petty, but Tim Kelly is no longer beholden to Bill O'Brien. He can go out there and do whatever he wants to do. And maybe they bring back some of the scheme. Maybe they are more playing for their jobs. Maybe they're going out there and they're looser and they are trying to do something different because the same old, same old is going to turn us at very best case into the Bengals. That's where we're at. Do we want to be the Marvin Lewis Bengals? It's been repeated at, at hominem or at infinitum on, um, on Twitter. And I don't know who to credit for it because it's not an original thought. It's just something that I've read 60 times and it's hitting hard. I don't want to be the Bengals. I don't want to make the playoffs every year and suck. Like, we're tired of it. Like, we really are. It is so much more fun to win. 
it is so much more, and it's almost fun when we were losing and we had hope, when we were focusing on the prospects and the guys that would turn into something. Well, right now, this is it. This is Blossom. This is Watson, year three. This is this is where he's supposed to be peak. I know it's year four, but whatever. It's really three because of injuries. But this is where he's supposed to be peaking. This is where you got your your Jordan Akins. This is where you've got all these receivers. We have spent more on our offensive line than any other team in the NFL. And none of these guys are actually performing that badly individually. They're not performing as a team. And that is a reflection of the coach. If you look at us winning or us losing right now, it's because we are making small mistakes over and over and over and over again. It's little death by a thousand paper cut mistakes that are always the result of coaching. This is not executional ability. This is players not knowing where they're supposed to be. And that is a reflection of coaches if you don't know where you're supposed to be. Jordan? They are stronger, they are faster, and they're losing. That's coaching. Yeah, so I'll say I I always hate the prospects of tanking and losing an entire season for for a greater good. I mean, I even look back to Deshaun Watson's rookie season. When he went down, I don't think any of us cared about the rest of the season. We all knew it was over. But to me, it didn't make the L's hurt any less. It still hurt every week to go watch my team for four quarters, shit the bed, and, and be horrible for the rest of the season. It still hurt. And so what I'm saying is, like, even if we mail in this season, it's not going to make watching these games, doing these podcasts, writing these articles, making these videos hurt any less, knowing that, okay, Bill O'Brien is probably going to go. We we had stuff to look forward to in, in Deshaun's rookie season, and I guess we have stuff to look forward to if, if Bill O'Brien could go, but I just hate the idea of that, and I would still rather this team try and be competitive because if we can make it into the playoffs, that's honestly all that matters. What I'm seeing from this team is, like we've all been saying it, the talent is there. It's just little errors that we're making and there's coaching issues but if we can get this team to be consistent because we've seen the flashes the flashes are great if we can get this team to be consistent and yes that's a huge if huge if but if that can happen we can beat any team in the nfl i'm, I'm very confident in that and so we get to the playoffs you get to sean in the playoffs you keep building this chemistry that honestly week by week the offense is looking better it's very gradual but it's looking better they're still making big mistakes but what i really do believe is if the offensive line, if they can get their shit together, and they did for the first half of the Steelers game, but if they can keep it out for an entire game, they can overcome majority of the bad play calling, majority of the coaching issues. And I, I want to see that. Go ahead, John. I just want to throw up, I don't think that firing Bill O'Brien means you're going to tank the rest of the season. I actually think it's the opposite. At, that's the point that I've kind of reached. At somebody, well, right now it can't be any worse than where we're at. So you need somebody to come in and kick them in gear. I don't think it's necessarily going to be the when Kubiak and Wade Phillips took over where it's you just tank. I think it could be closer to, you know, some of those other coaches that maybe haven't had great careers, but they kicked the offense, the offense and defense into another gear for at least a little while. I mean, best case scenario, you hold the head coach accountable, it gets everybody else to start acting accountable. I, again, don't think there's enough – I think there's too much talent for it to automatically be tank mode. We're only tank mode Deshaun gets now. Yeah, no, what I what I meant by is <sighs> losing games is what's going to – like Bill Bryan isn't getting fired after 0-4. So he's going to get fired after 0-5, 0-6. The firing isn't going to come till the end of the season. And so what I'm saying is having a 2-14, 3-whatever, 13 season – 
Like, obviously, the losses come before the firings, is what I'm saying. I don't think it's going to be the other way around. Um, <laughs> so here's 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 the main reason why I'm concerned about firing Bill O'Brien. But outside of the season being a waste, I don't know if I trust ownership to make the right decision on the next head coach, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know how much power Jack Easterby has. I don't know if he's able to get in front of them and say, Josh McDaniels is the guy. We got to let OB go. Trust me. We're going to bring over Josh McDaniels. We're going to keep Anthony Weaver in place. Here's my plan, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know. I, I really, but that, that ultimately is probably my biggest fear of once we let Bill O'Brien go is sure. Can the offense get better? You know, could, could things, little things happen here or there? Yeah. But the team could also get worse. And, it's it's one of those mindsets where it's like you you obviously don't you know you'd rather I'd rather risk it fire Bill O'Brien and take the risk but I just don't feel comfortable with them making the ultimate decision like I, Eric Bieniemy I get it I totally see what everybody sees offensively the dude is calling plays that you just every single wide receiver and tight end looked open last night I mean like when I say open I mean like John like how Andre Johnson used to be open he was just by himself. That's what it like that that makes your job ten times easier. But then I wonder, like, is that the enemy? Is that Andy Reid? How much of that is he gonna be able to take? Is he able to game plan his own schemes? What happens when we're down and that doesn't work? Their personnel doesn't match our personnel. It's totally different. Can he game plan for our personnel and who we have on the roster? Um so ultimately we'll end it here, but I just that's my biggest fear is I just don't trust that. You know, the owners are going to make the right decision to hire a replacement. I'll let you guys chime in here for, you know, 30 seconds each, and then let's move on to the game. Uh, Jordan, go to you. Um, yeah, so I'm with you. Obviously, it's, the grass isn't always going to be on, greener on the other side. We don't know that 100% fact. Look at the Cowboys. They have this exact same thing with Jason Garrett and Bill O'Brien. And they go to Mike McCarthy, and all the talk about the offseason is tons of hype. He's going to be great. And you ask Cowboy fans right now, they're kind of on the fence about him. They're not too happy. He isn't their knight in shining armor, and so I'm with you. I don't trust the front. I don't trust the owners either. But it's a change we have to make, and and the candidates that we're going to look at, potentially look at, there's going to be you can poke holes in all of them. None of them are going to be perfect. That's why they aren't head coaches today. Um, my guy would be Lincoln Riley because I think he's shown the best ability to adapt to his personnel, as we were talking about. And then ideally, in a perfect world, we would keep Weaver um, as a DC. I really like him in that role, but you know, head coaches are going to want their own guys, so we'll see. John. So I had brought this up before, and then I talked myself out of it. 538 did an article last last winter, um, right before Marvin Lewis or right after Marvin Lewis was fired, so maybe it was two winters ago, that said that no head coach that has been with their team for more than five years has advanced to the Super Bowl. So once you've been with your team for five years, if you don't get to the Super Bowl, it's not going to happen. Um, of course, small sample size. We're only on, like, what, 51 Super Bowls, 52 Super Bowls? So small small sample size. I get that. And I've fallen in the trap before of small sample size. But there may be something to it. Um, the more that I think about it, and not just the numbers, I think that after five years, if your system doesn't work, even if you've had success with it, other coaches have figured it out. But because you've been in your position, you feel comfortable with it and you don't change it. That's why coaches like, you know, Andy Reid can get fired and all of a sudden go somewhere implement a similar system, but it was a wake-up call that he had to change things up. And, again, that may just be where we're at. Now, 
Do I trust the ownership to get us a new head coach? No, because everybody's wrong. But it'll be something different. And at this point, Bill O'Brien, he's not going to do it for us. And, I, I mean, I'll put this out there. Like, I, I, like Bill O'Brien's not getting us to the Super Bowl. I will get a tattoo of whatever James wants me to get if Bill O'Brien takes us to the Super Bowl. And I have no tattoos. Like, this is not a small bet. Like, that's just not happening. Here's also another concern I have, uh, and I brought this up a year ago, but or whenever Bill O'Brien was promoted to GM, is is the fact that maybe they just fire him as a coach and keep him as general manager. That's that that's concerning to me. Now that's just that's just you know something that you know I've thought of. Right, it was a weird time the way they promoted him and things of that nature. So it, it just it all just looks a bit strange to me. Um, on top of that, you know, Lincoln Riley's great. I would die for Lincoln Riley. That you probably couldn't get a better hire. But is that their list, or is their list retreads of Jeff Fisher, Marvin Lewis, uh, Hugh Jackson? We hired Jeff Fisher. I'm going to be a Cowboys fan. Jack Del Rio. Well, that's too much, but Jack Del Rio. You know, are they going to be those guys? Because that's – and I guess that's what I think. Like, are they out-of-the-box thinkers? Are they going to challenge themselves to think differently, to put a good product on the field, go to a younger – you know, go to a college and, and grab a Lincoln Riley, uh, grab a John Harbaugh. I'd be fine with John Harbaugh or Jim, whichever one it is. I think it's Jim. Um, either way, so that's really the biggest thing. All right, let's get into this game because I, I, we'll start with the positives and, and we'll start with the first half. The first half of this team, of this game, this team looked at how I expected them to look outside of the run game. Um, the run game looked at how I expected it to look. I just wish it was different. But um, the offense was flowing. Deshaun was flowing. Uh, they were in sync. Deshaun was flowing in the first half, John. There's really no. Every other drive. Uh, he had, so he, finished, he would have a finished, great, dri- great drive, horrible drive, great drive, horrible drive. That was the pattern of the first half. Like, it was the worse the drive was, the better the next drive ended up being. And the better right. the next drive ended up being, the next one was even worse. That was well, how much of that was play calling? He was cooking. He was cooking. Yeah. I mean, how much of that was play calling, though? Like, running, you know, David, you know, up the A-gap and, you know, all these other awful play calls that happen. You know, he only can do so much. When they gave him the opportunity to throw, he looked fine in the first half. Um. I don't know. I mean, the offensive line, really, Jordan, for me, was the biggest thing that I took away from the first half. I felt confident in this offensive line. I was like, this is it. Okay, they're gelling. It's been time. Two weeks of preseason's over. Titus looked – I mean, Titus, like, threw TJ on the ground, like, I don't know, eight times, seven times, something like that. It was nuts. Uh, he was holding his own uh, outside of, you know, the, the Aikens chip. But, we'll you know, whatever. We'll let that slide. Um but, uh, you know, Jordan, what did you see in the first half that, that made you feel good about this offense? And, you know, were you thinking that the outcome was going to be a little bit different than the games previous to this? Um, I was a little on the fence about the outcome of this game. I thought that it was going to be really close. But um, I didn't really honestly – I thought we were going to lose before this game. But anyways, um, good thing about the first half of the offense, like John said, it was actually very hit or miss. There six drives. Three of them we scored. Touchdowns, great. The other three, three and outs. And to kind of play devil's advocate, it was like, it wasn't even the runs. It wasn't even the play calling. It was just poor execution. I'm looking at these three drives. I charted them. The first drive, we had one run. It was for five yards. That's great. That ended up in a two. The, the second drive that ended up in a three and out, no runs, but we took a sack. 
So it's these negative plays that are bringing us back. And the last one, one run, two yards, but we also did take a sack, and we ended up in third and 14. So while I'm, I'm agreeing with you, the run calls are horrible. That's definitely an issue of the offense. But the bigger issue is when the pass protection holds up and when it doesn't, because we can't work when we're behind the chains, behind the chains whatsoever. Deshaun was put into way too many third and, and longs. In the first half, they averaged third and nine. That was their um, third down average distance. In the second half, that got to third and 12, which is just not manageable for any quarterback whatsoever. And so in the first half, we saw if the team didn't bite themselves in the ass, they could make plays happen. Deshaun had more trust in the offensive line. He wasn't just scrambling like he was in the Ravens game. He had trust in his guys to get open. Randall Cobb was open left and right all day long. He's really rounding in form, and they're really building a chemistry that's, that's getting better. Um, so there's definitely positive to take away from that. And I think one thing we did see, another thing is like the up-tempo, up-tempo five wide. They went to that a lot in the first half, and they found a lot of success with it, especially on that last drive of the half where it was all passes. It was five passes or four passes for 75 yards. It's just a perfect drive. And so that's what we got to see more of. And I guess on, on the defensive side of the ball, um, the positives were just that we were able to hold them um, to the field goals. That's kind of been the theme so far is that's all you can really ask out of this offense. Or sorry, out of this defense. Just hold them to field goals. Yeah, they're not a, an amazing offense, but the Steelers actually did some really good game planning things, I thought. And I thought the defense, they did their job in the first half. John? Yeah, well, first off, there's this narrative going around that Deshaun's been inac- inaccurate. I mean, he threw for 70% um, completion rate yesterday, or not yesterday, on Sunday. He did it last week. He did it the week before. So he's been right around 70%. The issue is they're taking the ball out of his hands. Now, I think this is one of the things that have just has me set off at the coaching. Um, the comments they said before the game about trying to get back even, trying to get away from all the cute stuff. Um, like, you need to generate that. Like You need to have motions. And Believe it or not, when they were going empty set, that was actually simplifying everything where everything was just one-on-ones. And when it was one-on-ones, our offense cooks. Like, there's so much talent there, and that's why I'm so frustrated. There's there's just – my expectations right now are just so much higher from the offense than what they've been. And you see it. Like, you go empty set, you throw on a – 75-yard, 52-second drive that was absolutely beautifully executed. Not just called, but executed. Deshaun was standing tall in the pocket, throwing lasers, throwing them on time, throwing them so his receivers could actually run after the ball. And this starts with it starts and ends with the offensive line. When the offensive line is holding their ground, which they can when there's nothing funny going up front, because apparently their protection scheme just gets easily confused. But when they can't do that in an empty set where everybody's spread out, our offensive line dominates, and that leads to Deshaun dominating, which leads to him having all those targets that he can take advantage of, and they catch the ball and good things happen. Yeah, I think, you know, the empty sets, I'm, I'm glad we went to it often. You know, you have all those weapons. It only makes sense really to 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 run in, you know, as often as you can in empty sets. I mean, you want to give those guys the area to work, and, and Deshaun was hitting them all. I mean, Deshaun looked really good when we were playing in empty sets. Um, I had somebody message me, like, why is Deshaun under center as often as he is? And he definitely shouldn't be. Uh, you know, he operates better from empty. 
he showed that in college. He, you know, he shows it here. He showed it his rookie year. Um, so, you know, I would agree. The run game, I guess, if we're talking about the first half, you know, there wasn't as many, but it, it, we'll get into it in the second half. That was the biggest issue for me um, was just the running. Uh, the, 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 the play calling on running is just I, – I literally want to, like, rub my face up against the cheese grater as hard as I can. I, I honestly don't understand it. Um, defensively, the first half, I mean, you did what you could. I mean, we, look, this is another game where the defense didn't lose us the game. The defense kept us in yet again. And when you look at, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, they gave up 28 points. It's like, yeah, okay, they gave up 28 points, but they also, you know, forced punts and, and gave the offense an opportunity. You know, there's a lot of things that can be said about the turnovers, and that needs to happen, but those things happen in bunches. Those aren't things that just happen overnight, and they just happen. Uh, usually something changes, and then, you know, there's there's turnovers. Uh, Earl Thomas would have been an ideal fit from a turnover perspective in the secondary, but um, the defense is fine. You know, Jacob Martin looked good again. Uh, I, I don't know what – if it was first or second uh, half. I haven't watched all 22 yet, but um, – they, dro- they dropped – I saw one play where they dropped him into coverage. Uh, I don't know how many times they dropped him into coverage. I don't understand why he's being dropped into coverage. Way too many. Was it? Was it? It was – half the time he's out there – okay, so here's the thing about Jacob Martin. He can be a very good player if he's put in the right position to succeed. His his role needs to be as an edge rusher, and that's it. He can play some rundowns. I'm not – sorry, I didn't mean to say that he can't play the run. But he can play the run. But as an edge rusher on passing downs – that's where he needs to be. He's actually rushing the QB off the edge. Don't put him in the interior anymore. Don't put him dropping back in coverage. Yeah, he can do that stuff, but that's not where he's going to be most valuable for this team. He's dropping back in coverage at least six times that I counted. It was insane, and that's just not how you utilize your best players. That's, I guess they don't have anyone else that can do that role, and so that's why Weaver is forced into that. Hopefully Dylan Cole can get back and he can fill that, but that's just not how you should be using the GOAT. Yeah, I mean, Dylan Cole played this game, um, and one yeah, it was, one, was it one snap? Yeah, um, so maybe they'll ease him into it. Uh, you know, Jacob Martin saw a, a reduction in snaps this game compared to what we've seen in the weeks previous, I believe. I think he finished at 26% or something like that. It was low 30s, and then the game, the game four is like 37% or something like that. Yeah, so. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I mean, this defense, look, we, we've said from the beginning that this defense is going to take time. I haven't heard anything about Conley being back this week. I'm assuming we'll hear about it tomorrow. I don't expect Conley to come in and be game shape, game ready. Um, you know, you have to wonder now with 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 Earl out of the picture. Does this mean Lonnie's going to stay at safety? Um, but we'll, we'll get into that stuff a little bit when we talk about the next game. But uh, overall, the first half was a, a better performance than what I expected based on what we saw from the from the team in the previous two games. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, Jacob Martin was down from 36% of the snaps to 32% of the snaps. Yeah. Um, all right, so, you know, first half looked good. That The way they ended the half was probably the most telling, probably gave us the most, most optimism going into the second half was the way that we ended the first half um, with just, you know, hurry up offense, getting Deshaun where he needs to be and, and making the right throws. Um, second half begins, and... Everything is abandoned. Everything that we did in the first half is gone. Bill O'Brien slapped Tim Kelly and put him in a locker and threw a mask on looking like Tim Kelly and called plays because that's literally what it looked like to me. And I, I don't know what the issue is with the run style, the run, the play calling for the run game. 
I don't know why we continue to run between the guards and centers. I don't understand why we haven't learned from the Lamar Miller experience that when you have a fast, shifty back that is able to cut, um, you would not run them outside. I don't care if it's T.J. Watt out there. I don't care if it's Steven Tuitt. You still have to get creative with your run plays. And the biggest issue I have is just the way that we're using David. You know, against the Chiefs, we did misdirections. We did counters. We did stretches. Those and, and look at what David did to the Chiefs. Now, the Pittsburgh defense is a lot better, but I don't understand why we are using David Johnson in this manner, Jordan. Because Bill O'Brien is hard-headed, and he has to have everything his way. His way or the or no way. That's basically what it is. He has no idea how to utilize the players to their skill sets. And I think if we look at the Steelers' run game, that's really where we can find our answers to how we can improve our own run game. Because when I was looking at it, they were doing a really good job of getting James Conner to the edge. They were using pullers to create numbers advantage. They were attacking the weak side of our defenses so that you attack linebackers and safeties who aren't good at getting off blocks. They know how to set up a run scheme and use the running back to their advantage. Bill O'Brien has zero clue how to do that for his entire um, tenure here. The only running back that he's ever, like, that has ever fit this scheme is Alfred Blue. And that's just, that's that's horrible to say because he is not a good running back by any sort of means. And so, like you said, the running game was extremely frustrating. Um, they rely too much on just go and do your job and make your make your block and just try and out-muscle the person in front of you. That's not what the NFL is about. You're not going to be able to out-muscle every 300-plus pound dude in front of you. You need to put your players in advantage, in schematic advantages, to make it easier on them. And we never see that, and that's why David Johnson has no holes whatsoever. He's screwed. He's he's absolutely screwed. And the runs, they honestly, we didn't even run it that much in the second half. It seemed, it seemed like a lot. We run the, we ran it twice on our first drive in the second half, and then we only ran it one more time the rest of the, the half. But it just seemed like so much because of how horrible each run looks. He he totaled three yards on that first on those first two runs on the first drive of the second half. And then that put us in third and long again, and we just couldn't convert. And then, and so talking about the second half, like we had four drives compared to the six drives that we had in the first half. And so that was the bigger problem for me in the second half is just we just didn't have the ball. We our average time of possession per drive was two minutes in the second half. Two minutes, that was it. Out of our four drives, three of them were three and outs, and the last one was Watson's pick. We couldn't get anything going. And so it's more than just the run game. Like I've been saying, like that's an issue for sure. The play calling is an issue for sure. But it's the, it's it's the offensive line. That's the biggest the biggest culprit for me because we saw that at times they were good in the first half. Second half they were they were horrible. They couldn't give Watson time whatsoever. And yeah, I hope that that can be fixed over the season. I don't have much faith because to me and to what and like John said as well, like it's coaching coaching issues. And you're not going to fire Devlin halfway through the season, so I, I don't know. I have hope that they'll get better and figure it out because the talent's there, but uh, it's not good chances. John, so what you taken, see in the run game? It's the same complaint I had last week. We've taken all these players that are better at pass, pass blocking. Like, we are set up from a personnel standpoint and to be a pass-first team. If you look at our personnel. I understand the obsession with running power because when you run power and you run it effectively, nobody can stop you. That's why there's an obsession with it. That's why it doesn't go away. However, it is very, very hard to be bigger and stronger than every other team in the NFL. 
Poor David Johnson. He had two rushes for negative yards. That's it. Two. He was the fastest running back to the line of scrimmage in the entire NFL last week. So he's their running power. He's got a quick step. He's going to the hole as quickly as he can get there, but there's no hole. He's literally running into a brick wall. He ran three times over guard, uh, left guard, three times over left tackle, two times over right guard, and five times over right tackle. And these were always through the guard tackle gaps or the guard center gaps. These were not outside the tackles. Not a single run except for his touchdown run, which he recognized and cut outside, was outside the tackle. You are asking that man to get killed. Then you have a running quarterback that is supposed to help open up these holes. The running quarterback is supposed to, you know, every other running back that is paired with a running quarterback has better than career averages. We don't do that in Houston since Deshaun has taken over. Other than, well, I mean, Carlos Hyde did. <laughs> so I almost take that back. Carlos Hyde did. Carlos Hyde did great last year. Let's let's not discount that. But when the defense is supposed to have to account for the quarterback, and you're actually selling them on the idea that the quarterback's going to do something, it keeps the defense at home and allows the running back in the power game. To to work with numbers, and we're not selling that. We don't really ask Deshaun to do anything except for to run when he's in trouble. Now, granted, it's understandable because you don't want him to get killed, but if you're setting everything up to be a pass-first offense, but then you're running first, you should be taking every single advantage in the running game you can, and we're not doing that. Yeah, I think it's just – it's unfair – um, it doesn't help the team. You're right. I think the biggest thing for me also when you look at it is just the fact that we don't use Deshaun at all for, for any design runs. I understand that, like, we're supposed to keep him safe and not risk his injury, but, I mean, he has the ability to do it. Why not occasionally do it? Um, just enough to keep the defense off, honest. Right, Like, you don't right. have to do it that often. Just every now and then, that's it. Yeah. Um, Defense, you know, I don't, I don't think the defense played terrible in the second half. You know, in the fourth quarter, they looked gassed as they normally did. What was the time of possession in the second half? We had, we had it like under three minutes. It was average two minutes and twenty five seconds per offensive drive for us, and they averaged four minutes. And like, I guess that doesn't sound like a difference, but when you add it up, all the drives, that's, yeah, that's absolutely. So then, you know, when you just look at the team as a whole, the, the way the game ended. I don't know. I mean, uh, who were your shining stars on defense? Justin Reed didn't have a good day based on the broadcast uh, and the only one time I watched it. P.J. Hall looked eh, – I didn't see much out of P.J. Hall this this game. Um, you know, Charles Amenhew looks like he's making a name for himself at times. Uh, but outside of that, like, I, I really can't think of Roby. I mean, Roby just continues to be like a silent assassin that nobody really talks about. He's the only good corner on this team. You know, Vernon Hargraves is fucking trash and shouldn't be on the outside. Um, he did. He had. He actually had one really good play. I I I tried to rewatch some of it today on the All Twenty Two, and then work out too busy. But there, were, I think it was in the first like two drives. He had a really good breakup. But Vernon Hargraves has not been good. You have to hope that Gary Conley comes back. But John, I mean, what did you see from the defense in the sense of you know guys that you we're are happy to stay about positive right now? Yeah. Um, you can, well. but you can try. <laughs> I mean, they did – honestly, the defense, again, did pretty much what you expected them to do. 
this is one of those situations where if the offense scored more points, the defense would have allowed less points. Um, it, it sounds kind of silly to say that, but our defense isn't built to win games. Like, this isn't a defense that we put together to grind it out. This was a defense that has kind of been put together to take on another offense that's going to be throwing the ball quite a bit. Hargreaves, he got picked on. A.J. Moore, he got picked on um, quite a bit. And I will say this about Hargreaves. He, he would be fine as a backup. But asking him to start, not ideal. Um, other than that, I mean, J.J. had a pretty decent game. Um, you don't really see it in the stats. Um, Martin actually had a decent game. He calls – he caused the Amenihu sack. Um, P.J. Hall continues to do P.J. Hall things, but they really weren't getting home. I mean, they it's just one of those where the defense essentially asked us, did what was asked of them. They weren't great. They weren't horrible. Um, they don't deserve to be the number one ranked or the worst um, team in the run. Or They've allowed the most rushing yards in the NFL, and I don't really put that on the defense. I kind of put that on time of possession. Uh, it's just they did what we asked them to do. The offense couldn't keep up the, their end of the bargain. They talk about complimentary football, and it's another one of those situations where the one thing that we needed was a turnover, and we never got it. Jordan, your thoughts on the defense? Yeah, you guys covered pretty much the positives. I was just going to say Roby was really the only dude who had a good game. He's been blanketing guys left and right. Um, but apart from him, the, the thing that – was I guess the biggest talking point for the defense for me is the run defense in weeks past it was it was poor gap discipline, it was poor tackling by the lackers. And we we saw some more poor tackling by the linebackers. We saw some more poor um shooting of the run fits. But it was just Weaver had no answer for the Steelers and how they were scheming up their pullers. Their pullers were killing our edge defenders all game long. It didn't matter who it was. Jacob Martin, everyone Everyone remembers the touchdown where he gets killed on that. I'm not going to ignore that. He got killed on it. But I have a bunch of other plays that show Brennan and Scarlett getting killed by the exact same puller more than just that one time and have the exact same thing with Merck. Neither, none of those three outside linebackers could set the hell at the edge. None of them could. And so at that point, if, if Merck and Scarlett aren't better at the run defense aspect of the game than Jacob Martin is, what the hell is the point of them having, being on the field? There's no point. There's zero point. Martin is more disruptive in the pass rushing game easily. No one will tell you otherwise. And if he's going to be at the same level of run defense and maybe just a slight step down, maybe if that, probably not, then I don't see, like, I don't see the, the risk in, in at least giving him more snaps. Like his, for his snaps to go down this week, that was, that was horrible. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. Uh, real quick on the Bradley Roby PTI. Am I wrong in saying that that was not – PTI in any way, dude. That was that was bad. That was such a bad. I mean, call. I see the case for it, but man, I've seen way worse calls not saw, get called. You saw worse on um the uh, Claypool TD reception. So I mean, it, it was just a it was I. You can almost call pass interference on just about every single call out there, or every single play out there. Like it could be done, but he sold that flop. That it was so, yeah. That that was awful, Jordan. Yeah, Claypool just kind of ran into Roby. Roby was kind of just doing his own thing. He, he was literally backing off too, and he just kind of ran into him. Um, 
I don't know. To me, I'm not going to complain about that call too much because we ended up holding them to three anyways on that drive. So it wasn't like it was a game changer, but yeah, refs are going to are going to pull some bullshit. That's what they do. So that 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 call uh, ruined nine hundred and fifty one dollars for me on a parlay that I bet. So um, that feel, that that no field goal would have helped to me a lot. But um, all right. So I mean, that's really about it. I, I don't really, you know, I don't know where else to go. We're gonna we're moving on to the Vikings. You know, before we get into question and answers, let's talk a little bit about the matchup. But not not in detail, but you know, let's talk about I guess kind of the repercussions of this game and kind of what can happen. Um, you know, to me, I think this is the week that kind of tells all. Uh, that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. Uh, it's either going to be one of those years where Bill O'Brien puts it together and, and uh, you know, this is the run that we begin, uh, or it's the year where we start off 0-4 and everything gets blown up. I, I really think this week is probably more important than any other week we've seen in the Bill O'Brien era. I do think that we'll know a lot more about this team and what's going to happen uh, and the future of this team after this game. Uh, and you know, I do think that's a favorable matchup. I, I think, you know, if we can get the first half of the Texans against the Steelers, uh, you know, for four quarters, I do think we should should dominate the the Vikings. They do have a very, 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 very good rushing attack, obviously, with Gary Kubiak and Dalvin Cook. Uh, Kirk Cousins has been trash all year. The Titans struggle with them, but the Titans' defense is just god-awful. Um what are your thoughts on the game? I, I, like I said, I don't want to get into matchups. I don't want to get into things of that nature. But I guess overall, just the vibe of the season and, and where we're at and, and where we're headed, John. Do you what what do you see? What do you think you'll take away from this game Sunday if we have a game? Yeah, that's a big if. Um, right now, the Vikings they just lost by one point to the Titans, and. We should absolutely beat them. Um, Cousins is not expiring any sort of confidence. Um, Dalvin Cook is who scares me. First off, if you want to see how a running back should be used, go look at Dalvin Cook's um, his chart from last week, and then go watch the film. Like that's how that's how you stretch that's how you stretch a line. <laughs> um, but he ran for like 180 something yards. Like maybe he's tired because he he does kind of scare me. Um, kind of scares me a lot. But I think that we should be able to overcome it. Like, the Vikings' defense is not as tough as the Steelers' defense. And the Vikings' offense, while it's based around Cook, isn't really going to terrify you on its own. However, we do need to have this expectation that we go in and score 30 points. If we go in and score 30 points, we're going to win. If we don't score 30 points, we're going to lose. And I can pretty much say that for every single game. And this is why I was so high on the Texans coming into the season, is our offense is built to be able to do that. Like, we should be able to do that. That shouldn't be an issue. And honestly, at this point, it's not even the quality of the of the opponent that we're going to play. It's like, can we execute on our end? Can they clean up the little things? Again, the Vikings, I mean, they're, they're a solid team. They're, they won't be a cakewalk, but they are a very beatable team, and we should win the game. Are we doing predictions right now as well? Uh, I mean, you can. Yeah, go ahead. Give it to us. Um, I, I'm i going to go out on a limb and say that we win. But I think that you're absolutely right, because if we lose, we'll actually see if something's going to happen to this team this year. Jordan? Yeah, I think um, to talk about kind of the outlook of the game, like even if we lose, we go on for it. I don't think the LeBron's being fired. I think 
he still kind of has the argument that, oh, it's early in the season, we're playing good competition, whatever. I think we get to the Jags, we lose to the Jags, and if it's not even close like these games have been, if it's not close against the Jags, that's when you really see it. Obviously, I'm still gonna, obviously this game is still very important against the Vikings, but I don't think it's the, the, the final straw. I do think that Jag game would be because that's just how can you lose to the Jags? Um, like he has been saying, like this is a this is a winnable game. Um, I honestly like our matchups a lot. Won't go in, into depth on that because we are going along here. But prediction wise, I, I'm gonna say we lose. I just after three weeks of of our team not showing any consistency, I, I don't really see that changing right now. The Vikings, their season is on the line too. They're 0-3 as well. They probably are gonna play even harder than we are. And so for me, the test really here is to see if the players are going to come out and if they're going to play for Bill O'Brien or if they're done with him as well and if they're not going to show the heart and effort and they want him gone too. That's that's the, my biggest – that's the biggest thing to look for in this game. And that's that's kind of my point. You know, in years past we've seen that, you know, in, in tough times, back up against the wall type of times for this team, the team has always come out and responded in some form or fashion. And – this week, to me, is going to tell us what's going on in that locker room. If this team comes out and they're ready to go and they're playing, then you'll have a reason to be somewhat optimistic. It's still going to be an uphill battle, but with the additional playoffs, us not playing any division games yet, um, you know, there's still there's still an opportunity. Like, Jordan, you put it out, I think, on Sunday. Like, we're, we're still likely to make the playoffs. And... That's the sad part. But going to zero and four, I don't know if I don't know if we have what it takes to like we're going to lose to the Packers. That Packers team is better. Um, there's a, there's another uh, the Patriots that that's they're a better team. So you're you're talking about that's six losses, right? So it's still ten and six though. God, that's incredible. Um, that's just crazy that we could lose. Wow, wow, I did not expect that. So, I mean, we, I guess you still could come back from 0-4. Um, but I think we'll learn more about this team and kind of where the direction we're headed. I don't think that we'll fire Bill O'Brien midseason. I don't care what happens. I think Bill O'Brien will be here no matter what. Um, if he is fired, it'll be at the end of the season. But I, I still think that there's a – I still think that there's a good chance that we win this game against the Vikings. I do. You know, my gut wants to tell me no, but my mind telling me, yeah. Um, and uh, I, I do think that we beat them. But, yeah, all right. Um, there was something I wanted to get to before we got – oh, Gary and Conley. Gary and Conley. Back, you know, hopefully back this week. Could be a big, 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 big boost for this team, uh, obviously, for me personally, as I'm in, massively in love with Gary and Conley. But, um, I mean, look. We've seen what Vernon does. Gary in at at eighty percent is is a hundred percent better than Vernon Hargraves, <laughs> and so uh, you know, tell me a little bit about uh, you know Jordan, your thoughts on um, potentially having Gary and Conley back. We should know tomorrow during the press conference and, and any other the transaction wire. But um, what does Gary and Conley mean if he is back, and, and what does this defense have? you know, with just the addition of a, of a starting quarterback like uh, Gary. Yeah, so we, we talked up Roby. He's kind of playing as our quarterback one. I, You and I are still in agreement that Conley is even a better quarterback than Roby. So you talk about adding another talent like that to the team, 
And that's going to be huge. It's definitely going to be going forward for the rest of the season. If you have two lockdown quarterbacks on the inside there, that's going to be amazing. And so then the question there is, is who goes to play in the slot? Is, are you still going to have to play Vernon Hargraves in the slot? Is Eric Murray going to play there? Is Lonnie Johnson going to get moved back to corner? You put Roby in the slot? Who knows? But the thing is, the good. Uh, I think we lost Jordan. I think we lost Jordan. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting to see who plays in the and like slot. Like you said before, like, I don't there expect Conley. Yep, you, you broke up for a minute. Go I'm ahead. back. All right. Um, what was I say? But, yeah, just like you said, like I don't expect him to be 100% right when he comes back because even like we saw in training camp when he came back off the surgery, he was not 100%. And so off this, I, I wouldn't expect him to get back to the level that we saw him playing out over the second half of the season for probably two or three games at least. Um, but when that does happen, it'll be a huge boost for the defense. The only question is, is it too late? That's the only question. Yeah. Yeah. John? Did you freeze? John? Oh. Can you hear me, John? Oh, there we go. Sorry. <laughs> Um, it seemed like you froze for a second. So, Gary and Conley will do nothing but improve the defense. Like, it's pretty simple. I don't know who they're going to move to the slot, but Jordan probably answered it better than I could. Um, John Reed is probably going to get more snaps, I would guess, in the future, but he was the only rookie to even see the field, which is another issue we didn't really touch on. Um, and he only saw that on special teams. But, I, at this point, I think they may also continue to just to rotate people at the slot because it hasn't been the slot that's been the issue. It's been Hargreaves getting burned on the outside. Yeah. Another issue I have to bring up. Another issue is, like, right now the issue is the run defense. And so, like, yeah, Hargreaves is getting picked on a little bit and, and coming back will be a marginal help there. But if we can't stop the run, if we're still putting this defense into third and shorts where they can't be blitzing like Weaver wants them, they can't be playing as aggressive, like, Having Conley back will only do so much, in my opinion, and it'll boost the defense, but it's it's not going to be enough where, like, oh, it's going to turn our entire season down is basically what I'm saying, until they fix the run defense. Let me ask you this, Jordan. With uh, with Conley back, if they go Roby Conley on the outside, what is your answer in the slot? Is it Eric Murray? Is it Vernon Hargraves? Is it John Reed? Um, I think you go Eric Murray for now. Um, you... But I guess you go if Murray in the slot, you put Lonnie at safe. The, uh, what I saw of John Reed, I, I didn't like. Um, what I saw of Ron Hargrave last year, I didn't like him. So I, like him outside. I don't think those guys are very talented. I think Eric Murray, while he, he may not be a plus, a standout nickel guy, he'll do his job. He won't be a complete liability. Um, and it's it's the best option you got. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, let's get to question and answers. Uh, Jordan, I know you got them all lined up. I'm sure these are all some salty, uh, awesome questions that we get to answer here tonight, uh, but I'm prepared for them. All right, let's get into it. First one comes from Daniel Blake Hill. He says, could Janice McNair and Cal be more at fault for the roster moves than GM Bill O'Brien? James, I know you wanted me to, to answer this question. What are your, your thoughts? I mean, I, I, I would hope not. You know, if they're at fault, then that's probably uh, from an organizational standpoint, probably the worst process we could be going through. Um, so let's hope that that's not the case. I don't think so. I think they've been pretty hands off. I don't, I don't think they've really micromanaged or been a part of any roster decisions. I don't think they know football. It's, it's been documented during the Robert McNair days that 
they hire football people to do the football things, and they've never really, uh, you know, imposed their their power on anybody when it comes to decision making. So I don't believe so. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, sure, they're they're ultimately responsible because they handed over the power. They hired Bill O'Brien. Uh, they went down this path. So sure, it all ends with the owner. Uh, but if we're talking specifics to um, them making decisions, I don't believe that they have. Yeah, I'm sure on that. Um, I think it would be super funny if Janice was this puppet, um, if she had Bill O'Brien as, pup, as her puppet and was pulling all the strings. I would love that. <laughs> if that was the answer, that would be amazing. I would love that. But I don't think that's realistic. All right, moving on. Next one from our best friend, Fire Bill O'Brien. He <laughs> says, thoughts on Max getting his snaps, so Max Sharping getting his snaps split with Kelamente in back-to-back weeks now. And why did Bill O'Brien say in the offseason how important it was to bring back all five offensive linemen just to do this Max Sharping? John? I don't know. <laughs> he said something along the lines of Kelamente has been practicing well, and you want to reward guys that practice well. But Sharping has a much higher ceiling. Sharping hasn't exactly played any worse than Kelmente. Um So you stunt the growth of the guy, I I guess, maybe. I, I don't understand the reasoning for it. I don't like the reasoning for it. But I just I don't agree with it. But it is what's being done, and hopefully he stops. Um, I don't. I don't know if he would do any better than Fulton because um, he has the same problem that Fulton does. They're both a little undersized to be inside. But I don't see why you switch out Sharping, who actually has a little bit more heft, and you put Calamante in for a lighter guy when you can't push the pocket or push the middle of the um, middle of the field when you're trying to rush the ball because we're trying to run over over the guard. Um, that's the the guard we're trying to run over. Are they trying to save Sharping's legs so he can you know maybe get a little bit more push on running plays? I don't know. Did we lose Jordan? I think we lost Jordan. Did we lose Jordan or did we lose me? No, we lost Jordan. Uh, he'll be back here in a second once he once the Wi-Fi kicks back on. <laughs> uh, he had to go kick the router for a second. Um, yeah, it's pretty interesting because when you look at just during the Bill O'Brien era, when you look at what he's done with, with players on the offensive line, he tends to just want to stunt their development. It's like a it's like a it's a project for him, something he wants to do. Whether it be Martinez Rankins, Julian Davenport, um, you know, there's no consistency when it comes to the way that they look at this offensive line, and you wonder why the team can't get better. And then here you are, like if you like Senior Calamente so much, throw him at right guard. Well, I mean, just make him the make him the starter. Um, a lot of the issues we're having with the offensive line right now is they're not communicating well. So if they're switching them out in the games, that means they're switching them out in practice. He's taking away reps that that Sharpen could use, that the entire offensive line could use to get their continuity right. That's why we thought that they were going to be good this year. They have the talent. They've played together. We thought there was going to be continuity, and now there's not. And one of the things that you find out is because, oh, Kelmetsu is practicing well. Like, Seriously? That's it? Yeah, over a second-round rookie who had a stellar year last year playing next to Tunsil, I don't see why you would want to do it. And like I said, if you're going to start Senio, then start start Senio at at uh, you know start Senio at 
at right guard. Take Fulton out. Not Max Sharping, dude. Let that dude work through his stuff. Let him, like, let him develop. Let him practice. Let him work through all his issues and hurdles and let Fulton ride the bench or, you know, swap him and Kelamente out. But, yeah, all right, Jordan, you're back. Um, yeah, I think you guys just said exactly what I was going to say. Get Fulton the hell out of here. He's been the worst dude on the offensive line. And the entire interior offensive line has been bad. But if you're going to replace anyone, it's got to be Fulton. But, um, all right, next one from at Joe Cardner. This one is Colin Gillespie, a forgotten man in the offense, aside from special teams. And I think yeah. we, we all have a lot of hope for, for Gillespie. They even talked him up during the offseason. And, yeah, he's been injured in the beginning. But these past two games, he's basically not played whatsoever. And I think – all the flashes we've seen him have been great, but he's not getting a good chance. James, what are your thoughts on? Game? Yeah, I mean that's kind of the, it's kind of the same same thought. I mean, I think there are ways that you can use him in the offense. Um, you know, it would have been interesting to see what those dual running back uh, sets would look like, even with Colin Gillespie back there, right? Uh, you know, because he can hand it off or he can he can catch it. Um, but uh, you know, there's definitely ways to use him, and we should be, especially if we're going to play power, right? Like line up in I formation and then pound the rock, you know, follow your lead blocker instead of just leaving David out on an island all by himself and expecting him to do whatever he can with, you know, zero running lanes. If you're going to carry a fullback on the roster, utilize the fullback. Utilize him in a way where he's supposed to be used. Let David follow his fullback. That's the point of a fullback. That's what's like, that's why the position was created. And we're not even going back to that. And we're talking about like, you know, caveman schemes in offensive play calling and yet for some reason they, they skipped that chapter in the book of caveman play calling to use the fullback so yeah I would agree I just wanted to add in on that because those two running back schemes they were essentially using one of the running backs as a fullback now I get it they that most defenses aren't going to look at Gillespie as a threat to run but he has shown a little bit he has shown the ability to pass or I'm sorry to catch passes and I think that just the disrespect he would get from the defense would offset his ability because they would they just wouldn't believe the ball's going to him. So yeah, he could do those. He could be used in that role effectively. He's already shown to be a very good blocker. Um, and as much as we love Aikens, they put him in the H back slot twice, and both of those went very poorly. Whereas we know Gillespie can at least get that done. And yeah, so. He had he did have a concussion, correct? So he, that was part of it. But he caught one pass for six yards this past week. He could have been used more. I think that, you know, when they had the two running back and they were showing that creativity, throw Gillespie in there. I think that would have worked wonders. Yeah, definitely. All right, I'm going to do this last one, and we'll be out of here. Last one from Anthony Meyer. He says, what would you do with J.J. Watt at the end of this contract? I know James' thoughts on, on J.J. What about you, John? About J.J.'s contract? What would you do with him? His contract is done. I don't know the exact year that it's done, but let's say we're at the year that it's done. What do you do? I don't know. I honestly don't know. J.J. is still very, very good. He still creates the most disruption. He's still our best edge defender. He's still our best edge pass rusher. He has shown a little bit more willingness to go inside. However, he does freelance, and sometimes with with defenses, you have to sacrifice star potential to get everybody to work on the same script. Um, that's typically what happens with some of the best defensive schemes that you ever think of. It's very rare that you think of one of the top defenses being led by one of the top defensive players. 
they're usually working man units. That's just how defense works. But it's JJ and what he means to the city, and he is very, very good. If he stays healthy, then you're not going to get value for him. And if he gets hurt, nobody's going to trade for him if he's hurt. So it's tough. Um, I'm actually open to the idea of moving on from him if you can get the right compensation back for him. But I don't trust this team to do that because as soon as they start to leak that JJ's on the block, the whole world's going to melt down. And did we lose Jordan again? Did we? Oh, he's on mute. He's mute. Hit your mute. Um, now I think we lost him. I don't know. All right. Um, so, yeah, I would agree. I mean, with JJ, you have to think about kind of, you know, what what it's going to take to keep him, and is he worth the money that you would potentially have to put towards him to, to keep him? I don't think so. Um all right. Well, with that being said, look, uh, tough zero and three. You know, as much as we want to come in here and we want to paint a a positive picture of this team, we really can't at this point. You know, we've 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 tried to do that in years past. This is a, a little bit different than what we've experienced. Ultimately, we want to give you guys an outlook on some some of the things that we see, uh, and compared to just you know the normal talking heads that just give you uh, the same old take over and over again. Um, you know, it could be a get-right game. Maybe it's the the, uh, the on the right track. I don't know if that'll be the case. I would like to believe so. Um, but you know, we appreciate you guys. We'll be here every week, no matter what happens, no matter what the what, what our record looks like. We'll go through the pain with you because that's what we do. Um, and tears yeah, so and make, all. Tears and all. So make sure you guys follow us all on Twitter and Instagram at Houston FB Pod. You can follow me at I am Young Ari Gold. You can follow John at John Aidway Three. You can follow Jordan at Texans underscore thoughts. You can follow Patrick at P- Patrick Storm TU, and you can follow uh, Jair at JRL Sports TX. Um, make sure that you guys uh, hit that like and subscribe button. Thank you guys to everybody who got us to a thousand subscribers. It is not easy when you do a ninety-minute podcast. Uh, the algorithms on YouTube are meant to be at a ten to fifteen-minute ratio, and that's just not what we do. So thank you guys for that. Make sure you guys go to the website. Um, and, and yeah. You know, sorry, Pat. I'm I'm so sorry to hear about what happened with your uncle. I know it was important to you. Um, but yeah. And with that being said, you guys, make sure you guys go to our awesome website and all that good stuff. Make sure you follow Jordan on YouTube because he does great players uh, player breakdowns. And with that being said, we'll catch you guys next week on Texans Unfiltered.